Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 608 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I need a new MP3 player. Oh, okay. Uh, so, my, it's hot outside. Mm-hmm. And my MP3 player uh, is heating up outside. Ooh. And when it heats up when I'm outside, it claims that the battery is low, right? Okay, right. Now, I'll say this thing has been through the ringer, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've dropped it a lot, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm the guy that has the dedicated MP3 player. I don't use my phone or whatever it is, right? Right. Um, but no, I just think it's time to get a new one. Right. I may have to look in. I have an old tiny MP3 player laying around here somewhere, like still in the plastic clamshell that you need a, you know, adamantium claws to open. Yeah. Um, I'll see if I have it. I'll take a picture and see. Because it sounds like it would be something that's like right up your alley. You know what I mean? No, uh, I, I like a very spe- uh, particular specific kind, mm-hmm. you know? I don't like change and I'm looking at like all these different um I think I think the one I use is discontinued by the manufacturer, you know? Sure, because you were probably buying old, you know, stockroom ones and yeah. it's the same MP3 player you had when you turned, you know, 20. <sighs> Possibly. Speaking of turning 20, uh, was today anything, Joe? I'm just going to out you. Uh yeah, it was my birthday today. Yeah, as we record this, it's your birthday. Fantastic. Yeah. Sharing a birthday with the great Clint Eastwood, you, I would curse here, but we'd have to edit it out. <laughs> I mean, my wee, what do I have a mouse in my pocket? Um, so, yeah, happy birthday, Joe. Thank you, thank you. Um, no, I don't need a video player. See, this is the thing. I don't need video. Um, yeah, yeah, but again, you know, I, I have, uh, I would say, a self-professed, uh, maybe, Mm-hmm. Um, aversion to uh, having a birthday, or you know, that's why um, I always wake up early and wish it to you, so all all the people could see it and then wish it to you. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's more or less like um, I see people of my age range, and they treat their birthday as like a national holiday. Oh, birthday month is my favorite. Birthday month, birthday week, and that sort of thing. And I'm like, I'm a 45-year-old man, like, with a wife and a kid and a mortgage. And, like, who cares about my birthday? And, like, it's nice to know that people care about my birthday. Um, But that's it. No, I it's get my you. birthday. I think we'll be revisiting this... Uh, this 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 uh, line of discussion next uh, next week as well. I don't know. We might have to veto that. But anyway, would you like to know what's on the show, Joe? Yes. Um, not much news. It was more of a holiday weekend, so I don't think much came out. But uh, you know, a staple of one of the big two is leaving. Um, so that and that's all there is. Then conventions. Um, what we read last week, which was both Saga Fifty Nine and Punisher Three. What we're looking forward to this week. Uh, Todd and Joe have issues, which is now Todd and Joe go rogue. I'm going to get that to stick halfway through the, the, the year. Um, also, uh, I don't think we have any Todd's art attack. So at the end, we just have a spoiler filled talk of the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. 
that I didn't even know there was a controversy with until I talked to Todd before we started recording. That's what I do. I bring I bring the thunder on this show, Joe. You're you're one of the most controversial people in the history of controversy, I would say. You know what? That sums it up. That's going on my tombstone, Joe. Oh my goodness. I, what am I gonna do with this one that I already have? <laughs> I almost choked on water. <laughs> All right. So hey, uh there was some big news today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right under the wire, and this is just one of those things that, like, maybe we all took for granted when it came to the world of uh, comics, you know. Uh, but Joe Casada is no longer at Marvel, which is which is like wow. It's like like you know J- J- uh, Jeff Johns leaving DC for good or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you know, obviously, there's a bunch of speculation of what he's uh, going to be doing. Um, He said that he has some projects, uh, including like a short indie film that he's going to be writing and directing. But it'll be interesting to see if and what he does in the world of comics, you know? Right. I know we haven't talked a bunch about it just because it's just announcements and stuff and like six of one, half a dozen the other. Um, Whatever this like Frank Miller is going to be doing is part of his publishing arm. Right. Dan DiDio is involved. Right. Oh, can you imagine if Dan DiDio and Joe Quesada teamed up? Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. I, so not teamed up, right? Mm-hmm. But I would certainly start, like, talking to the two of them to maybe <laughs> do, like, the convention circuit together. Oh, that would be a great panel. And, like, kind of debate their theories and thoughts on, like, what they were doing at DC. Like, with DC and Marvel, of course. You know, if there's any sort of um, non-disclosure that Casada has that he can't talk about things for a certain amount of time or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one thing that I could definitely see him possibly, if anything, getting involved with, I know for a time he was part of the uh, Jimmy Palmiotti crew. Oh, that would be fun, those Jimmy Palmiotti panels. Yeah, well, not even the panels, but I know... Um, Jimmy is getting ready to launch a new Kickstarter here very, oh, yeah. very soon. Yep. Uh, he's been put. He's been putting a lot of teases out. He's been putting a lot of rumor and innuendo out. Like, should I do it here? Should I do it there? How should I do it? Just kind of feeling the waters, you know? Yep, yep. And I could definitely see if and whatever Joe does in comics, it could very well be alongside of uh, his old buddy, Jimmy Palmiotti, you know? Right. Do you think he'll get the itch to draw anything again? And I'm not saying like an ongoing because that's not his strength right now. You know what I mean? But he hasn't drawn a book in so long. Like he's done a ton of like covers over the years. And he even he's even doing like one for like DC, which kind of shocked me. You know what I mean? When they announced he was drawing one for the Azrael book, a variant cover. Yeah. I was like, that's weird. But now seeing that he's leaving... Marvel, it makes it, you know, it, it, it seems a little more, you know, plausible. Um, I'm wondering if he could, you know, draw one of Joe uh, uh, Jimmy's books or maybe even do like a one shot on his own. I don't know. I'd like to see him draw again, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It'll definitely be interesting to see where and when he shows up somewhere, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, he's been... Um a staple at Marvel for the better part of 20 plus years. Right. Yeah. And I'm not even sure what he did, which is, I guess the mark of a good, you know, employee. 
Well, you know, and obviously, as as we look at his credentials, you know, he was editor-in-chief, then he was chief creative officer, officer, then he was executive vice president, and then he was creative director, um, you know, for the last, like, couple years, maybe last, like, three or four years. So he's definitely someone that Marvel has wanted to keep in the fold, you know? They wanted to keep him out of DC's hands. Sure, but, sure. And, and, and not joking, that's really what it comes down to, is because when you get those, like, lifelong guys, they almost don't want them to go. And I don't mean lifelong, but you know what I mean. When you're there 20-some years, it's almost like, oh, we don't want we don't want them to get the fanfare of we got this guy until they're, you know, they're almost out to pasture, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's like, it's like uh, Brian Michael Bendis hasn't sold a lot of books in a long time. All right, DC, you can have them, though. You know, nobody likes to give anybody up when they're hot or doing like important things. So I don't know. I think he would, you know, just that's the way I look at it. But it's definitely going to be very interesting. He's still a name that carries a lot of weight. Yep. Um, He's made a lot of very public friends uh, in comics. You know, we mentioned Palmiotti, uh, Kevin Smith. He was like, that was, you know, who he did the Marvel Knights books with, the Daredevil run, you know? Yes, yes. Um, but I, I think someone like Jimmy Palmiotti, he, uh, being that he has been on this creative side for the last 20 plus years to get a chance to relook at the other creative stuff that he's kind of maybe neglected over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what decisions he makes, you know? And I think the first one will be, let's bring back Ash. Uh, the guy from the Evil Dead movies? No, no, not that hack. Um, the the comic that him and Jimmy Palmiotti did. Don't you remember Ash? Oh, I, come on. Um, he was like, uh, I remember oh. like a purple design. He was like a firefighter superhero or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who who owns the rights to that character or what have you. Right. Uh, so again, not much in the way of news. Uh, one thing uh, that I could say here, you know, we've kind of eliminated the digital stuff for a while. Um, I will mention that I saw that there was some rumblings. I'd gotten some emails uh, from the Amazon Comicsology side of things. Uh, your library of stuff is easier to find now. Okay. Uh, where in the past, like you would get like a digital book. And then it would say that this book is in your library. And then when you would go to click on it to read it, it would try to charge you for the book that you've already added to your library. It doesn't do that anymore. That's good. That's really good. Um, I think they eliminated in-app purchases on Android devices. But if you do it on Apple or Kindle devices, you could still do purchases that way. But at least they're working on something. You know, that's just... A little something for our digital folks out there. Right. Not a full-blown news story, but at least something to to wet your whistle, you know? And I just double-checked the email that that wasn't in there and I was supposed to mention it. No, no, no. That was just one of these things where, like, uh, I, I didn't throw it in the email to go over the notes because I know you don't care. I do care. And I was uh-huh. like, I read the whole email this week and didn't see that. Hmm. Well, did you read the uh, whole email for the conventions this weekend? I did. I have them right in front of me as we speak, too. All right. Well, 
uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of conventions. You know, convention season is heating back up. Uh, let's still everyone be safe out there. As I'm hearing, some areas are going back to full mask restriction of wherever you are. So just be mm-hmm. careful. That's all. Um, this weekend, though, a uh, couple that we'll be focusing on is uh, Awesome Con in Washington, D.C. Right. Uh, the aforementioned Jimmy Palmiotti, uh, Amanda Connor, Fred Van Lente, Lee Weeks, Mike McCone. And then on the media side, uh, Sylvester McCoy is a person. Yeah, he's the seventh doctor. Seventh doctor. Mm-hmm. Is he the one with the celery? No, that's the fifth. Okay. Is this the one that took on Eric Roberts? He's the one that was in the beginning of the movie with Eric Roberts, and then he regenerates into the new one. Okay. So he's kind of like Eric Roberts adjacent. But one can only wish we all were Eric Roberts adjacent. (laughs) Right. Yes. Uh, But also uh, at that convention is Will Wheaton. Hmm. Good enough to host the uh, Star Trek panels, not good enough to be in the new Star Trek shows. Hmm, well, maybe, but anyway. Maybe? Well, he made, I don't want to spoil anything, he may have made an appearance in a Star Trek recently. Uh. And he does the, like, he does the Talking Dead of Star Trek shows. Right, that's what, I knew he did the Talking Dead of the Star Trek shows, I didn't know he was actually in them. Right, no, he made a cameo in one of the episodes, so. Oh, great, good for him. Hey, that's a, that's a paycheck, and you didn't have to take a bump either, Joe. That's right. Speaking of which, Niagara Falls Comic Con. Uh, Slowly we turned. But there anyway. you go. Uh, comic side, we've got Ron Mars, Joe Golden, James O'Barr, Francis Manipool. Uh, lots of media-type folks. Uh, William Shatner, the great Brad Dorif, who was the voice of Chucky in the original Child's Play movies. Right. Uh Eric Estrada and Larry Wilcox are there. The three mo- motorcycle mark pick. I don't know if the I don't know if the motorcycles are there, but they should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, uh, in the world of sports and entertainment, we've got quite the lineup. Mm. Uh, we got JBL, we got Santino, we got Mick Foley, and we got Kevin Nash. Supper Shredder. Uh, he will sign uh, your Supper Shredder action figures mm-hmm. um, for an extra three grand, of course. <laughs> He'll add true? extra P for an extra three grand. Oh, okay. Uh, but no, the links to those conventions will be in the show notes uh, with this episode. You know what? I do want to go to that con and I want to f- uh, flick my con ticket in JBL's face. Can't throw me out, JBL. I got a ticket. Ticket. You know, I bet you he doesn't remember that. <laughs> I saw that pay-per-view, and I would wager the house on that. I would bring the video up on my phone and be like, do you remember this? And then flick the ticket at him. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, all right, move along, son. Yep, yep. And then I'd get some stock tips. But anyway. Oh, there you go. Better him than Eric, but he's not there. That's okay. Uh, hey, uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the soon to be named network, whenever they go live, uh, whether it be this show, uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, uh, 
Final Wrestling Place, Viewer's Choice uh, is network adjacent. They had a show this week reviewing the AEW pay-per-view. Hit My Music was back last week. Porch Talk was back this week. Wings on Wings, of course, always there every Tuesday. And uh, there was a special guest on this week's episode of Wings on Wings, wasn't there? A super special guest, and that would be me, Joe. Not a supper special guest? No, no, no. Can't can't steal that 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 name. But uh, yeah, I I did a guest shot, a two two parter, because uh, I'll pull back the curtain. They shoot, they record two in a row, and the Carlton Blanchard episode was there. So I was like, yeah, I'll stick around, baby, and uh, find out some more stuff that they made poor Todd watch on uh, After Dark this week. <laughs> I got to watch, got to watch, right. And uh, any and all the other, you know, whenever these shows go live, of course, you can find them on their individual feeds, podcatchers or otherwise. Uh, But you could also, um, you know, get them all in that one stop shop. And anytime any of the folks from these shows go on other shows and they let me know, you could be sure to find them all over at soon to be named network dot com. Also, check out our friends uh, who are also doing stuff in and around the world of the Internet. Uh, Whether it be our friend Kevin Hellions on his site, Mass Library, writing up blogs about different comic book and wrestling adjacent things. Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, all those cool sci-fi fantasy wrestling uh, resin and glow-in-the-dark figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, uh, listeners of the show that have done their own self-published comics. And the links to those are all in the show notes where you can go and support all of the folks that support us. Uh, also, you can go to uh, information about our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. If you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our shop be your shop. You can find out all the specials and deals and announcements and stuff that maybe slip through your cracks that we don't cover here. Dave and the crew, make sure to handle that there. They also do a great mail order subscription service, whether you're getting your book sent to you weekly, biweekly, or monthly. Uh, there's going to be a chance that you might even get a sketch from our good friend Becky on the package that it comes out to you in. And her social media is linked up where you can see all of her process, commissions, prints, and otherwise that she does. She's a fantastic artist uh, when she's not doing uh, watching makeup tutorial videos. That's right. Uh, so let's get into what we read from this past week, Mr. Todd. I'm going to start with uh, the book we were both looking forward to, which was Saga... 59 still two, holding the line at 299 joe um i think by, they're the last comic book that are pretty much um by brian k vaughn and fiona staples um basically alana is returning from the drug deal that she had to go make that she's been you know being that she's doing to get the uh, i guess you would call it like almost like a cab license so she can go like make money with the her spaceship um, and while that's going on, the the pirate that has her doing that, her whole his whole uh, crew is like starting to fight. So they kind of want to go with Alana and them when they leave. And then the captain kind of like uh, he kind of made a deal last issue with uh, is it Bamboozle? I think is the name of the character. Um, that's the new one, so it always throws me off. So he uh, is going to be leaving. Uh, Alana, but the way that kind of goes uh, was it was interesting. The way he severs ties, and then in the end, we get a revelation from uh, Prince Robot Junior 
that I was like, oh boy, that's not going to complicate anything. Um, it's a very straightforward issue. Uh, nothing like, you know, like crazy happened. It's, but uh, I, I do believe this is with the cliffhanger, the end of this storyline and we're on the hiatus, right, Joe? Um, do we have one more issue? We um, might, we might. Uh, the, uh, the, the character you're thinking of, uh, koala looking, uh, with the missing pieces, it's Bombazine. Bombazine. But again, they don't say his, they don't say his name a ton. Right. Um, and obviously there's a lot of like parts missing and you gave a great fishbone synopsis, et cetera, of the, of the story. But there's a lot of other stuff in there, like Alana shows up and she's missing all of her hair, except for like a tuft in the front. Right. And we don't get to hear that story. Oh, and uh, I did miss the guy hunting for them. Right. Honestly. And then we have uh, uh, the agent, the special agent Gale, who is still carrying around what's his head's skull. Right. And goes to the shopkeep at the pet store. And has him work his mojo, and that's how Gail finds out that Alana is on the planet that he's currently on, but she's about to leave. And I feel confident in saying that. We get the Mm -hmm. bits with the bands breaking up. We get a lot of our main character crew that we've seen over these last couple issues kind of have stuff be upheavaled. Right. And I think, and again, I say I think, we have one more issue before they go on a hiatus. You're right. I screwed up. And then in all this, like, Hazel always doing the voiceover, preparing us for some bad mojo, Joe. So. Yes. And, you know, I, I think we've speculated on this before, that Hazel's narration is very much after the fact. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's It's coming from a place of reflection. It's coming from a place of much more knowledge than she has in these episodes issues. Um, but obviously I feel while we may not see the pirate folks again, I think they leave the door open for us to see. Um, uh, uh, what's his name again? Uh, Bombazil. Bombazil. Yeah. Oh, he, right. he's definitely coming back. Cause there's, I even said I think everything with the uh, the the pirate that that he's going off with and the drug dealer that was on the planet that we we were all very wary of. I think he's the guy we got to worry about the most, especially like some of the stuff he says in this issue. Like we get hints of what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. But it's good. I, I feel as though this one this uh, issue kind of swung things back around. Mm-hmm. Because this one was a little bit more straightforward than most. Right. And the next issue will be like, <gasps> when's it coming back? Because, like, you know, he'll he'll end on something even crazier, you know? Yeah. But this has been good. I've I've been enjoying this being a return. We don't have a return date for when it comes back back, you know? Right. I figure two months to three months in, in there. Yeah. We shall see. Um, definitely not until... Maybe September. It'll come out the same month as uh, Human Target comes back. Oh, that'd be great. I wonder who I'll pick. It's whoever you say I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the other book that we read from this past week was Punisher number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, written by Jason Aaron uh, with art by Jesus Saez and Paul Azteca, 
We talked about issue one. We didn't talk about issue two. We're talking about issue three. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we tried, you know, and obviously issue one came out. We tried to tiptoe around some of the spoilery stuff. Um, you know, we didn't want to kind of give away what the, the hook of everything was. But at this point, you know, it's three issues in. I feel as though we could talk about it. Um, Punisher is the leader of the hand. Now, it's interesting to see where this is going to line up, because right now with Chip Zdarsky's Daredevil number one that comes out here shortly. Right. Uh, at the end of Devil's Reign, Daredevil and Elektra feel as though Kingpin's taken care of. The New York is in good hands. Our mission now is to take down the hand permanently. Okay. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Punisher stuff here with him being in charge of the hand lines up with what's going to happen in Zadarsky's Daredevil. But that's not what we're talking about because that's not for a couple of weeks. This is what we're talking about where the hand, one of the things that they are good at is bringing people back to life. And the way that they were able to sway Frank Castle to lead their group of folks is by bringing his wife back to life for him. And mm-hmm. she looks like someone who has been brought back to life. Yes. Uh, you know, she's got some bullet holes still in her, some scars. And yeah. uh, maybe Frank knows that this isn't the best situation, but... I don't think Frank is in his right mind. Let's say that. This this issue, the crux of this issue is to set up Frank leading the hand against Ares, the god of war, presumed dead. I think one of the last times that we saw him was like in Bendis' Avengers, where like maybe during Siege, where he was killed. No, he came back after that. He would like, I know he was definitely in the Fred Van Lenty Hercules run. Okay. That was way after that where they kind of made Hercules like a recovering alcoholic and everything. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. But anyway, go ahead. But the crux of this issue is Frank recounting the story of as a 10-year-old boy the first time that he killed someone. Mm-hmm. So it's Jason Aaron, it's the Punisher. I like it, but I have my problems with it. I do, I do and I don't, but I'm going to let you go and then I'm going to tell you why they did it. But go ahead. No, I know why they did it, but go ahead. Why do you think they did it before I go? Because we need to tell this story to Okay, so I don't like that they're retconning Frank's youth. Mm-hmm. That this person, who is Frank's right-hand person at hand, has been manipulating Frank to this point since he was a child. Okay. I don't like them retconning that piece of Frank's history. I, I don't like that either, but I don't think they're even manipulating him. I think they just show up because they realize he's they're establishing that Frank is a sociopath at 10 years old. And it wasn't the whole, like, and I don't, we, we don't get into politics on this show or any of that stuff, but you know how the thing we discussed, like they, certain, you know, aspects of the skull have, have been taken for certain things and stuff like that. And so that's why the skull's off the Punisher for a little while, because they don't want to have it out there. I believe they're trying to take all the people who are taking Punisher as a hero. 
um, because he had one bad day, that whole thing, that one bad day can ruin your life. It's like, no, no, no. He was a sociopath since he was 10 years old. And we're going to show you what a horrible person he's always been. And he's not the anti-hero. He is, of like, I swear to God, they're, they are turning him into a straight-up villain. So I'm going to even go as far as to say um, it was more so in episode issue two where they were really hammering home the the manipulation. Mm-hmm. I think the manipulation of Frank as a kid wasn't there, that this is maybe false memories that they're manipulating Frank now to make Frank think that these things were always there from the time that he was a child. Right. Sleight of hand, if you will, Joe. Oh boy. But go ahead. No, yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying with their magic or whatever. With their whatever. Now, that being said, Frank Castle isn't and should have never been um, a, a heroic character. He always should have been an anti-hero, but the 90s kind of made all of our anti-heroes heroes, whether it be Punisher or Venom or, you know, whomever it is. And we talk about that and we'll be talking about that even more on the Patreon show, plug, 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 for previewing the past as that more and more happens for both Marvel and DC. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from, that this is them trying to, I guess, unredeem Frank to, like, make it so that you don't like him. He's less sympathetic this way. But I think what's going to end up happening is he's going to become more sympathetic once he figures out that not that they were manipulating him as a child, but that they're manipulating him now to make him think that he's always been manipulated, to make him think that he's never been in control of his own fate and his own whatever. Okay, we'll we'll ride this out and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. And then again, of course, we get the bit at the end as well, where um, I don't think it's any bit of a spoiler, but maybe uh, Frank's wife starts to figure out that something's wrong or something's missing with whatever they have. But of course, whatever's missing, I'm sure the hand can figure out a way to bring them back as well. Right. And I'm sure that'll go great, just like this is going great. Right. It'll go swimmingly. Yes. I'm enjoying this. I am too. It's not my Punisher, the Punisher I like, but I understand. You know what I mean? But I understand what the Punisher actually is. Right. Right. If that makes any sense. So. Yes, it does. Um, I'm just interested to see where it's, like I said, like I said before, where it's going to fit in with the Daredevil stuff, one. And two, it's a 10-issue maxi-series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're very early in the issue, issue three of 10. We're going to come back around to kind of set the set. I think that we're going to come back around to set the status quo back to where it was before. Right. And you're sure it's 10? Not trying to be funny. I thought it was 12, but I'll listen to you. So that's the thing, right? So uh, Marvel site doesn't say um, what it is. Nowhere on the covers does it say that this is an X number series, right? Mm -hmm. But when I go to those sites that you give me, to look at the variant covers, 
Yes, all they the, do. All the sites say, you know, of 10. You know what? And that I do like that because when you, we have other stuff, they end up saying the same thing. You know, like Swamp Thing 13 of 16 or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, but I did not see that before I erased my spreadsheet, Joe. Yeah, you need better spreadsheet working on stuff, I guess. Right, right. But, so that's what we read this week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out. Uh, or, that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, we put up the pull post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, uh, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the others most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is currently in the lead over me with four correct guesses, and I have a feeling that number is not going to change uh, just because of the sheer lack of books that we're both getting this week. Yeah, I believe you even used the slender read joke, which I always love. But. Well, no, I, I said a slender read. I capitalized it to put emphasis on it, you know? Right. No, I know. That's how you're supposed to say it. <laughs> After I saw that movie. Um, no, it's a, it's a, you could say that great movie. Mm, what? Never mind. I'm going to do, you know. But uh, so I go first, right? Yes. I'm looking at your list, and you have only three books. Is the book you're looking forward to most Nice House on the Lake, number nine? Uh, that is uh, Nice House on the Lake, number nine. Um, uh, and again, no no comments on the schedule of this book. It seems to be on like a six to seven-ish week in between issue schedule. As long as they don't do that with Human Target, they can do that with Nice House on the Lake. Right, right. And uh, I think this is also the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well. I'm tired of doing the bit where I guess and say a different book, so yes, it yeah. is. And I'll, I'll also say this. Um, you know, obviously we include the links to what we read this past week and what we have coming up. And it's just like the preview stuff right off the company website, whatever it is. And uh, when you look at uh, the preview link for this, right, mm -hmm. uh, cover looks very ominous of what's going on in this issue. And there is no even teaser solicitation text for what happens in this issue. It's going to be a good one, Joe. So, so color me doubly intrigued. Mm. And... Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and the current ongoing smash sensation taking the place of Todd and Joe have issues for this year, uh, which would be the Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, where we attempt to determine who is the second best rogues gallery in all of the comics. It's very clear that The Flash is number one. I feel Spider-Man has number two. Todd feels it's Batman. We're putting the dregs of their rogues galleries against each other in a year-long tournament bracketed together by listener of the show Grinch McScrooge. We're already into the second round where we're getting those top six or seven on both sides that got a buy into the second round, taking on some people. Maybe at a claw or scrape a little bit. <laughs> 
uh, to get into the second round, and the voting is in, and when I pick Typeface as my number one with a bullet, worst Spider-Man villain of all time, uh, I think the proof was in the pudding here. Right, right. Uh, this was one of the biggest, and again, it was the it was the number one seed on my side against the number seventeen seed on your side. We'll see how he stacks up in later rounds, but uh, Typeface moves on. Yeah, he shouldn't, but he does. Okay. Um, so who should go first now, Joe? Well, uh, again, this time uh, it's one of the folks that I had move on from the second round or from the first round, and that's uh, Manslaughter Marsdale. Again, great look. Uh, bad theory uh, in the fact that he was just like a goon who got bested by uh, a janitor at a boxing gym who was the uh, Crusher Hogan, who was the wrestler that Spider-Man beat, uh, portrayed in the Sam Raimi film Lovingly by Macho Man Randy Savage as Bonesaw is Ready, which I think is his full name. <laughs> uh, so he already has a first round win and he's moving on to one of Todd's top uh, seven picks right um so you want me just to go into mine now right i'm done with mine so no problem so my pick is from the golden age once again and his name is joe coin his last name c-o-y-n-e um and he's the penny plunderer joe um growing up he would be selling papers for like pennies and they would give him change and be like change a measly two cents what could i do with that buy a stamp pennies other guys have big bills but i've got pennies but wait till i grow up then he goes on he grows up and he gets a job but he was literally pinching pennies from this guy so he gets fired then he goes and turns to a life of crime and he robs this place but the uh, the cash register is only filled with pennies, so he goes to pres- uh, prison over stealing pennies. And in pennies, he makes this vow. Or in prison, he makes this vow: vow, pennies and coppers. They did this to me. Pennies, coppers, coppers, pennies. I hate them all. When I get out, I'll get back at coppers and pennies. I'll fight coppers. With pennies, every job I will pull will involve pennies. My crime symbol will be pennies, Joe. (laughs) So naturally, this guy's going to rob pennies. The the mint only makes these things at a loss leader, so he's gonna he's gonna steal these. He goes on naturally. His headquarters has to be in a penny arcade. You're never gonna find the penny plunderer. Where could he possibly be? Oh, he's in the penny arcade. So he pulls all these penny crimes, and Batman goes after him. And Joe, you think it'd be cool? This is where the big penny in Batman's Batcave comes from. You're like, that was oh going to be my, that's going to be my question. Right. So that's great. The penny plunderer gets a trophy in the cave, in the, in the cave. And then years later, DC's like, no penny plunderer sucks. Like that penny was, we're totally retconning this, not even mentioning it. Now it's two face did the big penny. It was a flipping thing. Not this guy. So it's like, no, no, no. He can't have any of it. So they end up, Batman ends up figuring he's at the Penny Arcade. And he ends up chasing him. He gets away uh, and locks himself in a room. And he's like, okay, there's a payphone. 
All I have to do is call my henchmen and they can come uh, uh, just riddle Batman and Robin with bullets while they're trying to get in the door. Um, I'm going to call them. Five cents is all I need. But because all I do have is pennies, the payphone doesn't take them. So he's hoisted by his own. He's like literally says, I'm betrayed by pennies and then like uh he's even like now everybody's gonna know about my you know loss in a newspaper that only costs pennies joe it's all pennies it's the worst it's like who steals pennies and then they take away your one great triumph of having the giant penny in the bad game he sucks so all right so obviously to play the other side of things Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say that I feel bad that they that he got the penny in the Batcave and they took it away from him. <laughs> right. Like, that's, like, what a slap in the face, right? <laughs> oh, how uh, lame. Go ahead, sorry. Then his plan with the pennies was done to much greater degrees in both uh, Superman 3 and Office Space. Mm-hmm. So, again, not a, not a bad plan on paper, maybe bad in execution. Sure, sure. Um, but I think the difference was is they did um, fractions of pennies as opposed to actual pennies. And again, um, that um, in and of itself is enough for, I think, Penny Plunderer to make a comeback. And I haven't seen it, but I understand that Penny Plunderer is in the Harley Quinn animated series that's on uh, HBO Max. Right, which is pretty much the Deadpool land of where you go. Uh, now, I, I, I have to only say that with an asterisk, because I maybe they treat Penny Plunderer with honor and reverence that he deserves that for being Penny's such a great do? villain. I've never, again, I can't comment on it, mm-hmm. but I assume Harley Quinn, DC's Deadpool, maybe they flip the script and they treat him like a superstar. Sure, sure. But uh, again, a lot of uh, that's a lot of these um, these Batman villains are either templates for better villains that come along later, or have good plans, just poor execution, or become leads in animated series in the last like five to six years. Right? So how wait, bad could they be? Wait until typefaces in Modoc or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that. Oh man, I tell you, <laughs> what that thing of them taking the penny away from him—it's so bad, <laughs> right? Oh my god! And I'm like, I'm gonna go on, I'm gonna go on, and I'm gonna drop that his pennies. I let the penny drop, Joe. That the penny's gonna be in the Batcave, and I'm like, I know what Joe's gonna ask. He's gonna come back. He's gonna be like, oh, well, he's got the most famous like uh, thing, and I'm like, wait, give give it a minute, Joe. <laughs> And how and how perfect um, is it that they replaced, uh, you know, the penny plunderer penny and put it to Two Face? You could have done a war of pennies and faces, right? In the Batman thing, right? Where like Penny Plunderer is now working to try to get the credit back. For the penny that's in the Batcave from Two Face, 
Uh, yeah, trying to redeem Penny Plunder. A lot of meat work. on these guys' bones, I'm telling you. Mm, not as much as tight face, Joe. But anyway. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of grease paint on his face. <laughs> anyway. But this will be up to you, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to put the vote uh, up on social media uh, tomorrow afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, maybe when you're listening to this. Uh, who made a more compelling case? Who is the lamer villain? And uh, in the next couple of weeks, we might have a couple matchups where it might be a Batman versus Batman villain or a Spider-Man versus Spider-Man villain. And we'll kind of play things from there. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, so, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not. Right. Uh, well, before we close out the show, of course, last but not least, longboxheroes.com. Uh, be sure to check out the link there for our store where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers at a very affordable price with our fancy logo on them. Hey, if you're listening to these shows, I'm going to be at uh, LVAC's Real Rumble, the Mahoning Drive-In this weekend. If you like that black, white, and red design on the shirt, the pins, the stickers, shoot me a line. I'll bring a couple with me. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll let's make a deal, folks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, head over to our T Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes, uh, where you can get designs inspired by this show, After Dark, Hit My Music, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, on everything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. Uh, you can also help us out by signing up for our Patreon. Uh, as little as a dollar a month gets you two bonus shows from Todd and I. One, Piro Mounties, where we're looking at the film of viewer of uh, independent uh, stalwart Mark Piro, And Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. Uh, we're in 92. You know, we're coming up, like, Image is here. We're coming up on Death of Superman in a couple months. Um, you know, Bargain Rate Batman's going to make his debut here soon. We're going to have to talk about that for a, a year and a half, right? Ugh. We get um, to, Joe. We get right. to. <laughs> well, we also put the full scans of the previews catalogs up there as well. Whether you just want to follow along as we're you're listening to us, or you just want to look at those classic 90s previews catalogs to see what's in them, you know, it just uh, to see what comics looked like 30 years ago from beginning to end. That's what we've been doing over on Patreon for the last couple of years. $5 a month is going to get you those two bonus shows uh, a couple of weeks before everyone else. And it's also going to get you after dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Uh, last but not least, you can help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. Uh, they call it an advertising fee. Uh, I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include... Uh, somebody purchased uh, U.S. Divers brand icon mask and errant snorkel set. Ooh. Uh, somebody also purchased a universal air conditioner expansion valve. Very important as the summer days and months are upon us. Yep, you want your you don't want your valve expanding. That's right. Uh, and somebody also purchased their digital comics. Uh, through our Amazon click-through. G.I. Joe 291, Amazing Spider-Man number two, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 129, and Saga 59. Because Amazon and Comixology are essentially the same company these days, and I think things are a little spotty still in regards to subscriptions and stuff, hey, click our banner if you're a digital comics person. 
we get a couple cents on the back end for all those comics that you purchase through them, you know? Yeah, those genuinely make me happy. All the other purchases, like, are cool and everything like that. But that somebody that's listening and, and, like, buying and reading comics, that's so cool. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you know, like I said, and, and, and hey, listen, if you got a local store, go support your local store. But I get you that a lot of people have transferred over to digital. This is the digital house to do it through. And, uh, you know, if, if we can get, like, three cents on every book that you buy, then, hey, I'll take it, you know? Me too. We're the penny uh, plunderers, Joe. Yes, we're, pl- we're we're penny plunderers in our own right. So I think that's why you should vote against penny plunderer because that's awesome, right? Sure, yeah. And you're then someone your, takes you're making your own ca- cause here, Todd. Right, and then somebody will come and take our pennies away and give them to Two Face, Joe. No, no. Adam gets his own separate cause. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, but you beat me to it. Yeah. Yeah, listen, our writers, uh, you know, your writer, my writer, they're on the same page, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, that's it, right? We're going to talk about uh, the first two episodes of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yep. Old Ben. Which is, which is the full name of the show, right? Uh, so uh, in this uh, TV show, uh, it's 10 years after the events of the prequels. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, hey, uh, you like uh Princess Leia, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, she's in the show. She Is she? She's a little girl, and she's sad. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that whole bit. Um, so we uh, episode one, we get a revisit of the uh, younglings being killed. Remember when the younglings were were killed as part of uh, as part of uh, Order sixty six. Yep, I do. I think the the show even got a, you know, a, a warning in the beginning. But go ahead. Uh-huh. Um. So uh, the long and the short of this is is uh, Obi Wan is living in seclusion. He's working as like a meat packer, a meat a man, a butcher. John Silver. I'm not really sure. It's something with meat, right? Mm-hmm. All I know is they have gonk droid noises. <laughs> Sometimes when you scan your cards, you don't get your full pay. Yep. And uh, Obi Wan steals a piece of meat, a sliver of meat every day to feed to his anteater like steed. Yep. Which right. I don't think is going to be a problem at any point. But go ahead. No, that's definitely not going to catch up to him. Mm-hmm. So a- a- as this is going on, uh, Obi Wan is also creepily watching young Luke Skywalker. Yep. Uh, who instead of doing his chores is sitting on the roof of his of uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's house, pretending right. to pod race. It's unclear. Okay. Sure. No, he's pretending to pod race. Right. I wouldn't say unclear. He's doing the uh, the the movements, and that's like like Ben's watching him, and yes. that's one of the things that I do like. He's like that. He's he's acting just like his father. Right. Uh, so then we get to see. That Leia is living a very different life as a princess. She wants to go out and adventure. She keeps running opportunities, putting people in her steed where she's supposed to be going off and gallivanting and meeting with the rest of the royals, where she just wants to go out in the woods with Lola, a.k.a. Girl BB-8, mm-hmm. and uh, play around. Um, then things kind of take a turn for the worse for young Leia, not to be confused with young Sheldon, 
where Flea of the Red Hot Chili Peppers shows up. <laughs> okay. Right. Couple of things right here before you go on. Did I, 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 have I told any lies yet? No, you haven't. You're you're perfect. I just want to say, because this all rhymes, this is Lucas's baby. So not only is is Luke pretending to be his father by uh, pretending to pod race, Leia's doing what her mother did and had a fake stand-in. Remember when mm-hmm. Kira Knightley was Natalie Portman's stand-in in the first movie? I do. Oh, it all rhymes, Joe. And then one of the biggest things that took me out is I... If Flea isn't in his tidy whities I don't want to see him. Right. So I feel as though with Flea, they're trying to go with that stunt cast. Like, at the yep. same time, they're trying to go with the Bill Burr stunt casting from Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. But also to get, like, a Yondu-type character, you know? Sure. Who feels a little too gritty in a Star Wars thing, right? Right, right. Um... Mm-hmm. He was better as needles in Back to the Future, but anyway. yeah, yeah, there you go. Or like one of the nihilists in uh, uh, Big Lebowski. Mm-hmm. So, um, so Owen confronts uh, Owen uh, Owen Lars because I know his uh, full name because that's mm-hmm. the sort of Star Wars nerd I am. Yeah, uh, confronts Ben because Ben purchased from one a named Jawa. And is this the first time that we get, like, subtitles on what the Jawas are saying? I think so. I've never seen it. No, I haven't seen every cartoon. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's say live action stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want a Jawas scavenger, um, what's Storage Wars? Oh. Uh, what's the show with Chumley with the Pawn pond oh. Stars? Pons- oh, Tatooine Pawn Stars? Give me a Jawas, Tatooine, Pawn Stars, Storage Wars type show. Oh, if Watto's still around, Watto's Pawn Stars. Yeah. Oh, see, I can, this is what I'm talking. Yeah, oh, I have to get this framed. I'm, <laughs> I'm deleting this out of the show so nobody steals this fantastic idea. <laughs> right. Um, so the main thing I think in this is we are introduced to the Inquisitors. Mm-hmm. Specifically, the Grand uh, Inquisitor and the third sister, a.k.a. Reva. Reva really has uh, it in for to bring down Kenobi. Like, she's obsessed. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, like, circumstantial stuff that happens. Like, when Owen comes to confront Obi-Wan. Because Obi-Wan got that little starship thing that Luke is playing with in the first Star Wars movie. He buys it from the Jawa to leave at the house for young Luke. And then Owen is Owen is like, I know that you left this here. You know, we don't need your kind. And then randomly, they're just like, hey, you random person, we're going to get you and kill your family unless you tell us where the Jedi we think are here are. Right? Right. And Owen thinks it's Ben. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he doesn't realize it's the other Jedi that's running around. Which because, I kind of cool. Right, so there's the other bit where the Grand Inquisitor shows up at, like, the outdoor cantina. Mm-hmm. And this is somebody else's thing that they said on social media. My friend Colette said it. That they essentially just ripped off the inter- the opening scene of Inglorious Bastards Co- and did it in Star Wars. Copy an A. Get an A. I guess. Uh, are we having some fun and teasing and poking some fun at this? Sure. 
Um, but I enjoyed the first episode. I, 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 I okay. I enjoyed it. There are things that I like about the, the first episode, and there's things that I don't like about the first episode, and things I like. And we, when we get to it, the second episode, the same way. This is an up and down show. Um, my favorite part about it is that the bro, broken Ben Kenobi. I really like. He's like, we lost the war. Like, let's move on. That was ten years ago. Blah blah blah. But there's still a spark of it in there. And uh, I like the fact that in all the previews that I saw, they never dropped any hint of uh, Princess Leia. So I thought this was going to be a story about him protecting Luke. And it turns out he's going to protect Leia. And I thought that was really cool. And then some of, like, one of the things that I didn't like was somebody really needs how to, to teach uh, the child actor who plays Leia how to run. Because it looks like anybody <laughs> can catch her. Anybody can catch her. It's like she she's the slowest. And like later when we get to it, the second episode. All right. In this one, they kind of use the terrain. It's like, I know the terrain. I'll go under this branch and a tall person can't run under it. But when she's out in the open and running, you should just like run her down. And I'm like, uh, I don't get it. Like Ben Kenobi later should have just like reached out and grabbed her. I don't know. I It, it bothers me. There's something about it, Joe. It's my there, it's, it's my Joe nitpick. They try to get over early on that like Lay is really good and adept at the woods, mm-hmm. and that she's really good at climbing trees. So when Flea and the not red hot Chili Peppers show up to get her, <laughs> right? The idea is is that she's supposed to be real good at maneuvering through the woods, and they're not. Yep. But because she's a little kid and moves very awkwardly, then mm-hmm. the adults have to move like weird and awkwardly. And the whole thing just looks and feels odd. Like, I, and I don't believe I know this story. Remember, I think it was like with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the one actress couldn't run. So they were telling like the, the, the chainsaw guy to like slow down and wiggle, like swing the chainsaw. Because you keep catching her in the shots. You know? Right. <laughs> so you have to dumb yourself down. And the other thing that I, I don't like about Leah a little bit is I know she's, you know, Princess Leah, but... Already, we, she's the smartest person in the room every time. And I'm like, I hope they kind of just, like, teach her a lesson at some point in the show. But that's all. So what ends up being revealed is that Reva, the third sister, one of the Inquisitors, hired Flea and the rest of his crew. <laughs> the not Red Hot Chili Peppers. The not Red Hot Chili Peppers to kidnap Leia, knowing that there's a connection between Jimmy Smith's and Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm-hmm. and that if his friend's daughter, not realizing what the whole connection is, right, uh, goes missing, then that's how we're going to root out Ben Kenobi. And of course, the plan works uh, uh, especially well. Uh, he uh, follows them to Dayu, the planet. This is in episode two. Right, which all uh, city planets to me are just Coruscant, but right. Uh, no, this was this is like dark Coruscant, right? Yeah, they, they just look all the same to me. But anyway, uh, so all the signals going in or out are blocked because, like, this is like the bad city. You know, there's people dealing drugs. There's people living on the street. There's people fighting on the street. Street. There's even homeless, uh, um, down on their luck stormtroopers. The clone ones from the original movie. So it's that guy who plays Boba Fett. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Yes. And I wonder if he's going to come back because Ben helps him out, you know? 
I doubt it. I think it's just we might see them pop up. We're going to see them like uh, because they're all around the Republic at this or wherever at this time. Yes. But they, you know, to jump ahead, they, he leaves the planet. So I don't see them running into him again. Uh, you know, you never know. They might, In you know. Star Wars coincidences? I don't think so. All right. Well, they, did they say it's like poetry, so it rhymes? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, a kid comes up to Obi Wan. Is like, hey, you're looking for a Jedi. I know a Jedi. <laughs> and in this world, I guess uh, Eternals are also Jedi's. Oh yeah, he, and he's running the Jedi Opportunity Joe. <laughs> right. So Kumail Nanjiani from uh, and his new face. Uh, from the Eternals movie. <laughs> what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Or is he's here as a fake Jedi where he's opportunitying people uh, to get them on to off the planet? Obi Wan immediately figures him out that he's doing all the tricks with magnets, apparently. <laughs> right. Uh, but he has enough information. Uh, he's essentially like, "Well, you're the scum. I'm trying to find the scum that's even lower than you." So you're going to point me in the right direction. And Kumail, he has a Jedi name. It's like Haja Estri, whatever, but it's Kumail Nanjani, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, side note, inspired casting on these shows to take, like, current day comedians that may be Star Wars fans right. and throw them in your show so they really don't, like, lead people in saying how bad they are. Fair enough. We had, we had Bill Burr in one. We have Kumail in this one. Uh, we had what's his face? Brian Posehn as a voice in another one. Um, so again, it's just interesting casting, is all I'm saying. It feels very, you know, fool me three times. I'm like, okay, I see the pattern. But anyway. Right. Uh, so he essentially leads Obi-Wan to. I guess a space meth lab that's going on, right? Spice lab. Spice lab, sorry. Um, so Obi-Wan uses the force to cause a meth lab explosion. <laughs> right. And he's led into a room. And so this is the other thing. And obviously, uh, you know, it's space. It's galaxy far, far away. A long time ago. Technology is different. Uh, and I like that they just have... Leia in a random room tied to a chair. <laughs> like old, fa- like there weren't any railroad tracks available, so we're going to tie you to this chair. She wasn't tied to a chair. Yes, she was. They tied her on the chair in the ship. Was she tied to the chair? Okay, because when, when they, she's, he goes into the room. Okay, they... when she's in the room, when Obi-Wan finds her, because there's the first, there's the decoy right. that's tied to the chair. Mm-hmm. And then when Obi, they get the drop on Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan gets the spice that the person in the street said, here, the first one is free. Right. He throws it. He puts his mask on. They all get tripped out from the spice. He goes into another room, and Leia is there tied to another chair. See, I didn't. I don't remember. I guess you could be right, because I know she was playing with the, the sassy robot that every well, Star Wars... Well, okay, so she was tied to the chair, and she let girl BB-8 out, and girl BB-8 start cutting the ropes of her tied to the chair, and Flea came in and smashed girl BB-8. Oh, that's right. Right. Poor sassy robot. Girl BB-8. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Obi-Wan gets Leia. Leia doesn't trust him. They have a little bit of friction, doesn't believe that he's a Jedi. And the whole time, Reva is going through the city, 
trying to get a lead on them. She's kind of like up on high. They release out a, a message to everyone on their, it's not talk boys. It's not game boys, but <laughs> tiger, tiger electronics had like their game boy knockoff. Right. It's called like the game dude. Mm-hmm. If you go and search tiger electronics, game boy knockoff, you're going to see a picture of what all the people in uh, the planet here on Dayu had that they got the notification that it's like all APB out on Obi-Wan. So now everyone's trying to find Obi-Wan Kenobi to fl- flush him out. Uh, Obi-Wan still won't use his lightsaber. He's or using a blaster, a uh, very unsophisticated weapon for someone as noble as him. He gets into a shootout on a roof with someone while he's trying to catch up with Leia. Leia gets away. She falls down, and then Obi-Wan is forced to finally, for the first time in his 10 years, use his Jedi powers and save Leia from falling, like, right at the last minute. That was a cool scene. Um, okay, she finally I, leaves him. I, can we stop there for a second? Yes. Okay, with the, with Ben not or Obi-Wan not using the Force, what's your take on it? Because my take on it was, like, she's like, well, use the Force and, and show me. And I'm kind of like... Is it because he's got Jedi rust or is it because he's afraid if he uses the force, all these force sensitive people that are chasing him, the inquisitors will sense him. Do you know what I mean? I think it's both. I think he stopped using it because of that. Mm -hmm. And he got rusty at it. And now that he has to use it, he can't and he doesn't want to. Because of the rust, and because and, it'll alert the Inquisitors. And he's a bit broken, too. That's I, I mean, like I said, I come around, I really like where Ben is at in this point of the story. And they do make a couple jokes at uh, Ewan McGregor's expense that he's old. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, he don't look that old, you know? <laughs> they, I think they made him look kind of more beat up, you know what I mean? Yeah, he looks Look- like more grizzled than old. Right, and almost like his face is like in spots is not potmarked, like like living in the desert with the sand and stuff like that. Yeah, they could have put a little bit more gray in his beard, a little bit more like white in his hair, you know. Yeah, but that'll happen when we get eight years out, Joe. We still have another gotcha. eight years, so you don't want to make him look too old, you know. The the events of this miniseries age him quite a bit, I guess. Sure, sure. So, uh, they go to Kumail again, and Kumail's like, "Hey." Uh, they're, even though, like, they've shut off all ships coming in or out, uh, to Dayu, there's this automated cargo thing. It's unmanned. It's on a schedule. It just keeps sending stuff out. I, here's the thing. It'll get you on there. Uh, it's going to take you to, uh, this planet Mapuzo. And there's people there that'll be waiting to help you. Obi-Wan's like, well, how can I trust you? It's like, well, what are your options? Stay here and die or go there and die or not die. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So as they go, Reva catches up with them. Obi-Wan gives Leia the gimmick to go, like, go without me. Like, if I if I die, at least you get away. Uh, Reva comes out. Obi-Wan is the lightsaber. He's ready to go. And Reva gets to have that moment where she says, uh, to, she gets to be the one to tell Obi-Wan that Anakin is still alive. Right. That Anakin is Darth Vader. He assumed Anakin was dead. Uh, but now he knows that this is what, the, you know, all of this is about. That Anakin is still alive. The the, the Inquisitors, specifically Reva, 
were sent by him to bring Obi-Wan to Darth Vader. Uh, the Grand Inquisitor kind of steps in and says, Reva, you've gone too far. And Reva proves that she's gone too far by cutting the uh, Grand Inquisitor in half. That gives Obi-Wan the opening that he needs to get onto the ship with Leia. They escape. They're going away, but Reva knows where they're going. End of episode two. Yep. Um, a lot of stuff I, I like this. And they ended up killing... Didn't they end up killing uh, Flea from the not Red Hot Chili Peppers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the okay, Grand Inquisitor uh, uses his Whirly Bird uh, lightsaber to kill Flea. Right. So my take on this is... Because then they do that cool shot of a second of uh, of Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader in the Bacta tank. Right, everybody's got a Bacta tank. Yeah, Bacta, Bacta, Bacta. Um, my, my, my take on it is watching this, like, I, I thought Reva was a bit of a dull villain and very inconsistent. Um, like, one of the things, like, why didn't she kill uh, the fake Jedi when she tell like she's doing all this evil stuff, and then like the fake Jedi comes, and he's like, "You've heard of me? You're looking for me?" She's like, "It's not you." And even he says, "Like you're real Jedi. You, you're not using magnets." And she just throws him off the side. Like to me, everything she's done, she would have killed him. And then the other problem that I kind of had was when you get to Episode Two, and you acknowledge the fact that Darth Vader the greatest villain in the history of movies because he stole from the greatest villain in the history of comics, um, Dr. Doom, that, like, you're immediately, to, like, 1A at, at best. You know what I mean? It's like, now now I don't want to, I don't want, I don't care about Reva because it's like, I want to see Obi-Wan fight Darth Vader. Like, that's just where my mind goes. You know what I mean? It's like, maybe you should have, let it go a little bit, you know, like you don't, you, you look like now who cares kind of a deal to me. Do you get what I'm trying to say though? Like I, I want Darth Vader. I do get what you're saying. Um, I think we knew Darth Vader was in this because they did their best to try to hide the fact that Hayden Christian was, Hayden right. Christensen was cast in this. My only lament, like any of the complaints that you just mentioned there about Reva or any issues that I may have with her, were not her herself. There's a bit where she's going across the rooftops, right? Mm -hmm. And they're a little CG enhanced. Yeah. And it looks real suspect. Yeah. But I don't put that, that on the actors, right? No, I don't either. And there's that one where she's doing the Batman pose, like on the building. Yeah. And it has that like green neon light and it just looks so like, like staged. I don't mean like the positioning, just like it looks like, and I'm not as bad as you. I'm like, this looks really crappy around her like she's kneeling like great like looking over the city but i'm like it just looks it look like for a show that has money this looks bad listen i have a page listen i haven't even addressed them i have a page of continuity clothing notes from episode one when they're on coruscant that i haven't even mentioned yet okay of course i mean tatooine uh tatooine no no when they're on court or when they're on like uh whatever uh jimmy smith's planet is oh right Alderaan. Alderaan, right. We're like, oh, hoods are up sometimes, and then we cut the scene and the hood is down. We cut back, the hood is up, and nobody's touching anything. It's the same people. <laughs> Sashes are one way, then they're another way when you oh cut camera God. angles. Listen, I literally have a page of notes writing down all these continuity things because it was driving me nuts. But um, I thought Reva was pretty established more so in the first episode than in the second episode. I get what you're saying. 
uh, in regards to some inconsistencies that she should have killed Kumail. But we learned even in that scene in Tatooine where she says we're going to cut the people's hands off. She's not looking to kill humans. She's looking to kill Jedi. So that's her thing. She'll torture and maim a human before she'll kill a Jedi. You know what I mean? Before she'll kill a human because she's looking to kill the Jedi. But she's not even looking to kill the Jedi. She's looking to get Kenobi. So she's very narrow focused. And with having Obi-Wan that close in her sights, I could see her getting distracted and getting off of her game or getting off of her whatever. And I could see possibly at the end of this, her getting some sort of redemption thing, her figuring out that she's been on a fool's errand, that she's made a mistake, that she, you know, she shouldn't have turned her back on the uh, and gone to the dark side and that sort of thing but i think we're gonna see her as the redemption character throughout all of this right do you think she's one of the younglings at the beginning of the show that's yes. fleeing dur- oh that's what i think too yes um because the the one guy that they find in the bar that she throws the gimmick at and he catches the force powers mm-hmm. uh he was one of the younglings and there were five of them that we see one two three four five younglings that escaped so you think we're going to get all five? We got one killed, and I think she's one. I think we're going to see the other three. There's four episodes left. Ooh, that works out, Joe. Right. And I, I will say, uh, if uh, I, I also know what this uh, series is trying to do. And listen, we're having some fun. We're making some jokes. Um, I really like the first two episodes. I'm looking forward to watching three. But if this whole thing is an attempt to get me to say that the prequels are good, you summed up three two-and-a-half-hour movies in four minutes. Mike Sterling, man. I oh, I didn't, I, I, I missed what he was saying. He, he actually put out a tweet that said, he's like, if I learned anything from Obi-Wan Kenobi, the first episode, I learned that the entire prequel could have been done, could have been done in five minutes. He goes, yeah. So... But I agree. Though that being said, um, I I like this more than you like this a little more than me. But if Cad Bane shows up at any point, because he can at this point, this will be the greatest series that ever ha- happened. So that's all. I don't know if Cad I don't know if Cad Bane's allowed to be in this. He should be. Cad Bane should be in everything because you know he is Star Wars now. Hmm. Is his toy out yet? Um, he has a couple of them. I have one sitting on my uh, uh, table over there. So specifically, one from uh, his appearance in the Boba Fett. No, it's from one of the other ones, the Clone Wars, maybe. Gotcha, gotcha. The the, the yeah. So then the one from the Bad Batch is coming out, and then they're gonna milk it, and he's gonna be the one that was in Mandalorian or uh, Bo- Book of Boba Fett, which is the one I want, which will probably come from one of those sets like your Bib Fortuna. Right. And, and I'll have to buy the whole set, you know, not just be like you. I'll be a real fan because, you know, I'm going to gatekeep you because you didn't buy the whole uh, Jabba's Palace set. Like I said, I can't hang it on my wall. If they make a fig defender for it, I'll <laughs> I'll buy it. You know what? I'll stand there like the guy at the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and be your fig defender. No, it's not the same. Okay. I ain't hanging you on my wall neither. Oh, okay. Good. I was worried. So I guess that's it, right? I think that's everything. Yeah. And we Definitely. next week, 
three definitely issues. a short show like we had expected. Right. And three episodes of Boys next week. Should be a good That's, short show next week. Right. Three episodes of the Boys, Obi-Wan, and then a week after that, we have Boys, Obi-Wan, and Miss Marvel. Oof. We're back, <laughs> Joe. We're back on TV. That's time. right. That's right. And then we don't have another movie to worry about in for at least another, like, uh, three weeks? Oh, no, five weeks. Five weeks until uh, Thor 4 comes out. Right. And in there, are we going to watch Morbius at all, Joe? You know, uh, this weekend, because of, like, whatever the meme about Morbius is, right. I almost watched it, you know? <laughs> right. But remember, well, again, you'll hear me talk about it over on uh, After Dark, but I'm not in the mood right now to hate watch something. Mm-hmm. And I heard that uh, in the theatrical cut, right, mm-hmm. there's a bit in like the mid credit or the post credit sequence where they allude to Spider-Man. OK. And that's cut out in the home release. Sure. Uh-huh. But I don't know. I'd have to go see it in the theaters when it was out and then watch it and compare. So that means I'd have to watch Morbius twice. Isn't there somebody, isn't there, what is what is his name, from Pod Van Dam that saw Ed, it? but he yeah. don't remember. Ed's, right. listen, Ed, don't listen to this. I love Ed. It's almost the end of the show. But Ed's fried, you know? <laughs> okay. Well, I guess that's it then. All right, everyone, thank you very much for listening. This was episode 608 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.